Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. So turn with me to Psalm 27, and we're just going to walk through the Word. Amen? I love it because the Word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Amen? And God uses it to, to strengthen us and to give us what we need. I'm thankful for the Word. Somebody say, I love the Word. I love the Word. Hallelujah. We are going to read this psalm. We're going to read it in its entirety because there's something that I want you to see in it. So we're going to take our time. We're going to walk through it. We're going to read it in its entirety beginning at verse 1. And we're going to take it all the way to verse 14. But Psalm 27, when you have it, say amen. Amen. And we're going to read from our New King James Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, somebody say trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart. I love King James. He says, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. In fact, we stand in excitement because truly, God, it is your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word doesn't need anointing, Father, but it is men that need anointing. And so right now, God, I ask that you would speak through my lips, God, 
to guide my mind, Father. And Father, cause everything that you want us to hear to be heard in this place and received. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, this morning, I wanted to talk to you about what you and I can do between the church and the crisis. What you and I can do between the time that we come into the church and the time that we walk out or we leave out and we experience the crisis. Because the truth of the matter is, as believers, as Christians, we have this dichotomy going. We have this uh, separation that happens. We have this division that occurs between the time that we are in the church and the time that we step out. We have this difference that's happening between what happens in the sanctuary and what the young folks says happen in them streets. Come on, y'all get with me. We have this time of, of transition or time of change that happens from the moment that we give our thanksgiving to the time that we experience our trials. There's a great shift or difference that occurs from the time when everything is carefree to the time when we're experiencing great conflict. In fact, there's a difference or a shift that occurs when we're in here and we're saying, my hallelujah belongs to you. And the time that we get out and we take those same hands like Marvin Gaye and say, makes me want to holler, throw up my hands. Come on. Y'all know y'all heard Marvin. Makes me want to holler, throw up my hands. Somebody say it's a, it's a shift. It's a shift. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so I believe that David can help us in this psalm because I believe that while he may not have known the church as we know it, he knew what it was like to experience the shift. He knew what it was like to have a change that occurs from the church to the crisis. I, I believe that because if you look at verse one, it's like he's in the church. So if you look at verse one, he's in the church. He said, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's in the church. Somebody says in the church. But then in verse seven, he goes to the crisis. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to answer me. But then he goes again back to the church. Look at verse two. When the wicked came against me to eat of my flesh, my enemies, they stumbled and fell. And so David's having a great time. He's like, oh God, we got this. But then verse eight, he goes back to the crisis. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, Lord, I seek your face. I don't know where else to go, God. It's, it's got to be with you. And then he experiences the church again. Look in verse three. He says, though an army would encamp against me, I ain't scared. War rise against me. I'm confident about this one thing. But then all of a sudden in verse nine, he goes back to a crisis. Don't hide your face from me, God. Don't turn your anger, God. You, you might help God. Don't leave me. Don't forsake me. So I believe that David understood what it was like to move from the church to a crisis. There's a confidence that we have when we're inside of the church. There's a confidence that we can share with one another when we're together. A person can ask you, how you doing? You say, oh, I'm blessed in the Lord and highly favored. But then as soon as we go out the door, we experience some kind of crisis. And, and all of a sudden that blessed turns into, you know, I, I, I'm about to cuss somebody out real, 
There's a shift. Come on, I'm not going to get in the car with you on 285, but I know that we all have a transition that occurs. There's a, there's a great confidence, a great declaration when we're in here. We're saying, by his stripes, I am healed. And then we get in the doctor's office and he starts giving his report and everything in us starts dropping. There's a shift. Somebody said there's a shift. But I believe that there's something that we can learn from David because he's on this great high in the first six verses, but all of a sudden in verses 7 through 12, everything seems to change. Now, lest we would give David a hard time, I believe that you and I have also asked the Lord how long. I believe we have also been in our closets and we say, God, how many times do I have to keep going around this mountain, Lord? When are you going to relieve me of him or her? Or God, when are you going to make a change? I believe we've all been a David at some time in our closet when we begin to ask the Lord, how long? But David helps us because the truth is it's not the first time that he had ever asked God how long. And I believe that because he's asked him, it gives you and I permission to ask him. But we've also got to be willing to follow the example, because even though David asked him how long in verse 13, he comes back and he says, I would have fainted. I would have been despaired. I would have been at the point where I could have lost my mind. He says, I could have lost my mind when Absalom, my only son, betrayed me and rebelled against the kingdom. I would have lost my mind had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I could have lost my mind when Saul ran me down like a dog and tried to kill me when all I wanted to do was love on him. He said, I could have lost my mind. Unless I believe. I I believe we can relate because some of us said I could have gone ballistic when they took my job from me. And I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet unless I had believed that the Lord God is my provider. I could have gone crazy when he walked out on me and he left me or she left me and not knowing how I was going to make it unless I believed that the Lord says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So I believe that David is helping us to understand, but the question is still raised with what do you and I do between the church and the crisis? Well, David gives us three answers. Somebody say three answers. Three answers. answers. David tells us, look, it's right there in verse 14. David says, we're going to wait, we're going to be, and we're going to keep waiting. Look at your neighbor and go and tell him, wait, be, and keep waiting. Let's look at verse 14. David says, wait. He says, wait on the Lord. Now, before we get excited, I want us to understand what wait means. Sometimes when we hear wait, it means, you know, I think I just sit here on the side and I'll just wait on you, God. I know you're going to be here in a minute. I just, I just wait. Kind of like you're waiting on your ride. I'll just wait on you, God. When you get here, I'll see you when you get here. But David says, no, this is not the kind of wait that I'm talking about. 
This wait right here means to look forward to the occurrence or the arrival of. It means to have an eagerness. It means to anticipate or to expect. Somebody said wait. So here David is saying, in the middle of it all, I want you to eagerly anticipate and expect the promise, the word, whatever it is I told you, I want you to wait for it, expect that it's coming. That's a, it sounds a little easy, doesn't it? It sounds easy, but in between the midst of the marriage and the divorce, he said, I just want you to just wait. I don't want you to do a whole bunch of talking and say, I want you to speak the word regardless of what you see. I want you to wait. This waiting here looks like a posture. It's putting ourselves in a position where we begin to declare the word of the Lord. So it doesn't matter what we see with our natural eyes. He says, this waiting says, I've already seen. See, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. He says, I've already heard and seen what God has said about this situation. And while the situation may seem to be so off from what God said, I am going to eagerly anticipate the occurrence of God's word. I'm going to wait in the midst of sickness and healing. The Lord already said by his stripes, I am already healed. And so even though I'm going through this, I'm waiting. I'm eagerly anticipating the healing that he's already said is going to come forth for me. So David says there's something that we have to do. We have to get in a posture of waiting, of understanding what God said about the situation and speaking the word, expecting it. You know, have you ever, have you ever been in a place where you were looking for someone to come? They told you that they were going to be here at a certain time. You were waiting on them. And so you found yourself getting prepared for them. God said, it's the same thing. I want you to get prepared for the word. I want you to expect the word to arrive at any time. I want you to expect the word on your situation to knock on your door. You don't know when it's going to come. You don't know how it's going to get there. But you say, God, I'm waiting on you. He says, I want us to wait on it. I want us to wait. I'm I'm always so moved by discipleship. Because I believe that it's important as people of God that we become followers of Jesus Christ, that we are discipled. The only way that we can be discipled is, first of all, we have to become a disciple and then we have to make disciples. Many times we think that discipleship is just up to the discipleship team. They ought to do it. But God's given each of us, you and I, a mandate to make disciples. In Acts 14, I find it very interesting that Paul has just been beaten. He has been dragged through the streets. He has been left for dead. In fact, they thought that he was dead. And all of a sudden, Paul gets up and he returns to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only does he do that, but the Bible says that many more disciples were made. 
And then Paul goes and he picks up Barnabas. They leave there and go to Derby. And while they're there, they preach a little more and leave there. They go to Iconium and they go to Antioch. It's in your Bible. But, but what's most amazing to me is that Paul says to them, you think that being a disciple is easy. But I want you to understand, listen to what he says. He says that unless you go through tribulation, unless you experience trials, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we've done, in many cases, a disservice to you. Because what happens is you think that when you come down the aisle and you give your hand to the pastor and your heart to God, everything's going to be good. We're going to skip on into the sunset. I got saved today. I got saved today. (laughs) But the reality is the moment that you and I accept Jesus Christ, at that moment, the enemy says, it's on now. He didn't have a problem with you before when you were hanging in the club. He didn't have a problem with you when you were sipping on gin and juice, lay back with your mind on your money and your... Come on, I'm coming for you today now. I'm coming for you today. You didn't have a problem with that. He said, I don't have no problem with that. The problem he had is the day that you don't, if you don't sip, don't worry, we ain't talking about you. The problem he has is the day that you and I decided that now I accepted him and I'm moving on in the things of God. That's where the problem comes. He says, so expect to receive tribulation. But I love what Jesus says. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But what? Be of good cheer because I have already overcome the world. I've already overcome sickness and disease. I've already overcome hell and the grave. I've already overcome it. He said, so you be of good cheer while you're going through. Go ahead and smile about it, baby. Because you've got to go through in order to enter the kingdom of God. So he says we got to wait on the Lord. One of the very tactics that the enemy uses is he uses this place where he wants to weary you. He wants to break you down. He wants to cause you to doubt. He wants to cause you to feel like, you know, this thing right here with God, you know, it really ain't all it was caked up to be. Maybe I ought to just really go back to what I was doing. He wants to cause you to believe that God can't come see about you. So what he does during this time period is he begins to shoot off and speak to you everything that is contrary to what the word of God says. And here's where your job is. In waiting on God, you got to come to know God and you got to know God's word. Because when we know God and know God's word, know what he said about, he says, listen, listen, listen. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I already knew what it was about you. I knew you before you even came out, before you were even a thought. I already knew, and I had plans to prosper you. So when the enemy begins to speak to you and tell you otherwise, that you ain't never going to be nothing, you just like your daddy, you don't know, you'll begin to press up against that and say, that's not what God says. I'm waiting on the Lord and then waiting on him. I'm saying, he says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I got a good future in mind. 
And while we're at it, the other thing that we need to also begin to learn is even what not just we speak about ourselves, but what we speak about our situation and our children. I was watching something the other day and it was talking about how we have to go into the courts of heaven and begin to wage, begin to come and present a case. Because the enemy has already presented a case against us and our children. So he says you have to go into the courts of heaven and begin to declare what God says. But what happens is many of us start declaring, we start saying things and then the devil says, well, you know, God, they already said that he ain't going to be nothing. And you know they already said, because that's what he takes to God. He takes to God what we say. Hmm. What did he take to God on Job? He said, is he not? He, the only reason why he liked this is because you got a hedge of protection around him. You removed the hedge and I'm telling you, he's going to curse you. But we have to begin to declare what God is saying in the waiting time. Because as we declare what God is saying, then it begins to back the enemy up. Somebody say, wait on God. Wait on God. Waiting on God is powerful. Waiting on God is a discipline. Waiting on God means that you believe God. And it's sort of like working out in the gym. Sometimes you got to start out with a two-pound weight. No pun intended. Sometimes you got to start out with two pounds. You know, two pounds, two pounds might say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Two pounds, two pounds, two pounds. But after a minute, you ought to be able to move up from two pounds to a five pounder. And you ought to get in there and start saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Then you ought to move up to a 10-pounder. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes her boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, bless the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We got to get to a place where we know the word and we discipline ourselves to speak the word. So while we waiting on God, we declaring what he said. Somebody says, wait on the Lord. He says, we got to wait on the Lord. We got to wait on the Lord. We got to understand. Now, notice that David is very specific in his instructions. He says, wait on the Lord. He didn't say, wait on the first and the 15th. Because some of us, everything we're doing is relegated on our paycheck. So when somebody asks us something or we want to do something, God could have already told us that's what he had. That's the plan for our lives. But what we'll tell a person is, you know, I get paid on the 15th. But the Bible says, wait on the Lord, 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 Lord. If you look in some of your Bibles and some of your Bibles, it has capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Is that in some of your Bibles? That's because he's talking about Jehovah. He's talking about Jehovah. He's talking about Yahweh. He's talking about the all-sustaining God. He's talking about the covenant-keeping God. So when he tell you to wait on the Lord, he ain't just talking about wait on anybody. He said, you wait on if it's your sickness, you wait on Jehovah Rovah, who is the Lord God, your healer. He said, if it's money you need, you wait on Jehovah. Uh, who Jehovah? Come on now, uh, your provider. Who's your provider? Come on and give it to me. Jehovah Jireh, who's your provider? If you're in a place where your mind is racking and you need peace, he said, you need to wait on Jehovah. Jehovah Shammah, who is the Lord God of peace. He said, if you're in a battle right now, you need to call.
that little L-O-R-D means because you got to know who you're calling on. Some of us calling on everybody else but God. He said, you got to wait on the Lord. Somebody said, calm down, pastor. You got to wait on him because he doesn't lie. Somebody says he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. And then here, here's the second thing he says. Not only does he want you to wait on the Lord, but he says, be of good courage. He says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Now, now, if you notice, he says, be of good courage. That's one word, courage. It means to be strong. It means to be powerful. But listen to this. It also means to become strong. So it's this process that's going on. It means to keep up your spirit in the midst of the greatest dangers you can see. He said you got to keep your spirit up. But notice this. He says you be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Now, what I love about this is this word right here, both of these words are words that are used dually. They're used together. They're a part of a war strategy. And they're a part of a war plan. So he's saying, you fix your spirit. You fix your mind. You fix your will. You fix your emotion. And God will fight. He says, you do, you, you hold on and God's going to hold you up. He said, there's a part that you do where God's going to give you this providence. He's going to give you this guidance in the war there. But you got a part. Your part is to show up and God will show out. So he says, there's this peace that you and I hold where we have to be of good courage. We have to be in a place where God says, I will strengthen you. I will grow you strong, but you have got to show up. If you notice, he used this word with Joshua. Joshua 1 and 6. Joshua's getting ready to go into battle. And God is going to fight the battle for him. But he tells Joshua, he, been, he says, be strong. And of good courage. Joshua's getting ready to go into battle. He tells them to be, don't, he says, don't be afraid. Don't allow what you see to cause you to cower down and become timid. Trust that I'm going to show up on your behalf. He says, so be strong and be of good courage. Listen to this, because there are some things that you and I have to go through. Some things God is not going to allow us to just skip past because they are areas that are going to strengthen us for what he's called us to. Some things you have to go through with your children so you can help somebody else with theirs. Some things you have to go through with your healing so you can help somebody else get theirs. Some things you got to go through with your boss so you can help somebody else keep their job. There are things that you and I have to go through so that God can strengthen us. He says he will strengthen your heart. He'll strengthen your mind. He'll cause you no longer to become fretted in your mind because he's strengthening you. Somebody say he's strengthening me. Sometimes we want to duck out and we, you know, we start cursing the devil. 
and we say the devil is a lie. But some of that, God says, no, it's the truth right now. Because I'm trying to get you someplace and I'm allowing that or using that so that I can strengthen you. It's amazing that um, I found out that in weightlifting or in working out, they sometimes do a little exercise where they allow you to put a backpack on your back. Now, for most of us, I don't think I want to work out with a backpack on. I mean, just to work out is enough. (laughs) But they tell you to put this backpack on, and they say that what happens when it's done right, putting that backpack on and going through the routine allows your heart and your arteries, it allows this strengthening to occur. It allows your respiratory system to be strengthened. It allows, listen to this, strength to come even in your mind because stress is alleviated. All because you put on something that you would not normally want to carry, but it's so that you can become stronger. Allow God to put some backpacks on you so that you can be strengthened for the run. You could be strengthened. Somebody say strengthened. You could be strengthened for the journey. Listen to this. So he says, the first thing he tells us to do is to do what? Wait. He says, wait. Second thing he says is, be of good courage. Be of good courage. It's this benefit that comes with it. God's going to strengthen your heart. But look at the last thing he says is wait. I said, wait on the Lord. You you say, well, you already told me to do that. So so what do you mean, David? Why are you saying that again? Because he's saying keep waiting. Keep keep waiting. Well, how how long? Keep waiting until you see the manifestation of the promise. How how, how long? Keep waiting until you see what God said about your situation come to pass. Keep waiting. Keep speaking what God has said and declared over your life and over your family and over your truth. You keep doing that until you see it. See, the issue with us is that we live in a world where everything is instant. We like instant grits. We like instant oatmeal. We want instant coffee. We want everything to be instant. Fix it for me now. You go through the drive-thru. If they don't have it ready in time, you want to talk to the manager. You only been there for three minutes and 30 seconds. But he says, I want you to wait until you see it come. Let me tell you a story before I close. Back in the day, I used to catch the city bus. Y'all remember the city bus? Yeah, I used to catch the city bus. And um, I had gotten the city bus figured out, or so I thought I did, right? And so one day I was like, okay, I got time. I'm going to catch the city bus. And the bus is down here. I'm turning the corner. The, the bus stop is right there. And I'm looking like, oh, the bus is here. Wait, what the, bu- the bus is here. So I start running, you know, wait, wait, hey, wait, wait. I'm running, trying to, yeah, wait, wait. Trying to catch the bus, just running, trying to catch the bus. And the bus driver leaves me. So you know I got attitude, right? So I go back home. It's hot outside, too. I go back home, and I get home, get a ride. Next day, I cannot wait to see the bus driver. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell the bus driver something. I got some words for him. 
Bus driver, I'm going to get there early. I get there early. I'm waiting on him. Bus driver pulls up. I said, yo, why you leave me yesterday? He said, uh, he's just looking at me. I was like, you know I was coming. Didn't you see me? I was yelling. You saw me yelling. I'm hollering for you. Why you leave me? He's just looking at me. I'm just going on. And then finally he looks at me. He said, ma'am. He said, people wait on the bus. The bus don't wait on people. I'm telling you that because some of y'all are running. You think you know what time God's going to come. You think you know how he's going to deal with this situation. You think you know how he's going to handle it. So you already running. You already ahead of him. You're doing all kinds of stuff. You're trying to fix it. You got your hand in it because you think you know. But God said, I didn't say that I was going to wait on you. I told you to wait on me. He said, because when you wait on me, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like eagles. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He said, when you wait on me, I got something for you. He said, stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to think because you said you already know. He said, the reason why you keep circling this mountain is because you won't wait on me. He said, so I need you to wait on me. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. How long? Until you see it. Until it manifests itself. So God says very simply, how do you deal with what is happening on the outside when you leave from the inside? Is you got to learn how to wait. That's speaking the word. Declaring the word. You got to learn how to be of good courage. Let me strengthen your heart. And then you got to wait. Keep waiting. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.